Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. You are uh, listening to Mystery of Parenthood. It's actually the first one that we've done in 2017. Um, just freshly back from from Washington, D.C. and a trip there and um, looking forward to a new year and all that it holds. Lots of change, lots of excitement, and um, and let's just entrust this time by um, allowing us to start as we always do with uh, the prayer. Absolutely. Happy New Year. <laughs> in the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, uh, keeping with the newness in the, in the new year, <laughs> we, uh, we are now pre-recording our shows, so there's no more um, live call-in, which I just know you callers are so bummed out about. <laughs> But um, certainly, um, you can leave questions on um, what Facebook, Facebook, yeah, yeah. our website. Um, we, I'm know. sure they could be texted to. Uh, do we have the text number? Oh, you know what? I don't have my notebook with All me right. today. Yeah. Yep. Well, we yep. we'll, we'll figure it out. If you have yeah. if you have some questions, it would be interesting to see if uh, if you just think about something and you're able to just put it out there, and uh, we'll get to it in one of the shows down there. But um, Anyway, like we said, change is uh, inevitable and and is good, but it's also uh, a bit of a challenge. So we look forward to uh, to a new 2017 with some of these changes, and um, we're just grateful to have the opportunity to be with you. Absolutely, absolutely. And today we're gonna um, we've taken an article uh, from uh, website kidshealth.org, and um, we're gonna go through and tweak from a Catholic perspective, nine steps to more effective parenting. Yeah. And it, it, you know, the thing is, is we've talked about this plenty of times before, but, but we as Catholics need to be okay with looking at even secular things, but we've got to baptize it and we've got to extract from the, the truths that are, that are there. And then, um, and maybe tweak the things that aren't necessarily uh, in line with the church, maybe reword it. And I think it's a good, healthy exercise in in the, the idea of critical assimilation, which is a, a term that one of my professors talks about that the church has always done, to take that which we find in, in secular, even non-Catholic um, venues, extract what is true, and assimilate those by placing them in the right context, uh, but acknowledging that there's wisdom there because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And whether anybody knows or even acknowledges that's that he is that, um, does not diminish the fact that when they stumble upon the truth and when they recognize the truth, they are in some way recognizing Jesus himself, maybe not explicitly, but they are doing that. And so we need to recognize that. And I think, I thought this one was really pretty good. It's nine steps. What's it called? Nine steps to effective Mm-hmm. parenting or right. something like that. Right. Nine steps to more and effective. Parenting. More effective parenting. So yeah, we all need to be more effective. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everybody out there is being effective. So uh, anyway, I think we just go, we'll just go through this step by step. I think there are, 
um, plenty of good things that we can all learn and, and try to apply. So the first one, I don't like the way they put this, but I think the, <laughs> the way they do it, number one, they say is boost your child's self-esteem. Does that sound like something, something secular? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Which is, I mean, of course, it, you know, they're talking about finding the good, you know? Right. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, that, that is, I think, number one and number two, um, because it, number one was boosting your child's self-esteem, and number two was catch kids being good. Um, I, I mean, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when the kids were younger, I felt like I lived in the land of thou shalt not. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the land of no, you know. Um, and it was, it was, it's so easy to get on that landslide of what you shouldn't do with kids that it was really hard. Cause I, I heard a talk one time and I think actually the recommendation from this speaker, oh God, many moons ago, I can't even remember who it was or where it was. Um, but she talked about um, having something like um, paper clips or something small that you would like, you know, count out, I don't know, five or 10 and every time you praised your child, you, you know, moved one of those paper clips into a, a bucket. Just so, you know, kind of like, I guess, along the same mentality of, I mean, I don't, you know, know about you guys. I'm always trying to drink enough water. Well, if I just keep filling a cup up with water, I never really know how much I drink. But if I have my little Ozarka bottles or whatever, you know, whatever, and I can see, you know, right. eight empty bottles at the end of the day, then I know, you know, I've had, I've, you know, done my water. So, um, so it's kind of along that same line is that, you know, um, as you get along in your busy day to be able to have some sort of visual sign of, oh, I've caught my child doing something good or I've praised them, um, you know, for something. Uh, it's a visual sign for you to. Right. I think and I think that's that's really important to remember. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, we use purposeful, uh, intentional and, and the way to be most intentional is to have an idea of something you're trying to do and then measure yourself doing it. Keep track of it. That, in other words, don't just let it happen. Don't say, I think I caught him a few times. Be intentional. Be purposeful in this. Now, what I don't like is the idea of, of self-esteem, but there's a couple of things that they point out here that I think are really important, um, and I can learn a bunch from this, is it says, it says that children – begin to develop an understanding of themselves through their parents' eyes and point to the fact that tone of voice, body language, and every expression kind of is something that impacts the way your kids understand themselves. What that, that's a great, there's a great Catholic point there. We are human. We have bodies and we do communicate in and through our bodies and that we need to be aware of those um of those times when maybe our voice doesn't communicate lovingly a challenge to them or or maybe the words that we choose are not all that we should do we're not as intentional with the words we let them just flow out of your mouth i'm i'm really bad about that um and I'm not sure self-esteem is the issue. When they go down here, it's talking about, you know, you need to praise accomplishments. But then it also says avoid making loaded statements or using words as weapons. So, you know, that lets you know that words have impact. Words can hurt. Um, and one of them, I think, uh, is it, I think it was this one that they talk about, make sure to not compare your child to another child. There's a definite Christian Catholic way of looking at it. every child is unique and unrepeatable. Every one of us is unique and unrepeatable. We should not be comparing ourselves to one another. What we should do as intentional, purposeful parents is recognize the gifts and talents that our children have and then challenge them to become, as Matthew Kelly would say, the best version of themselves help them recognize the gifts and talents that they have and challenge them. That's where, you know, self-esteem is an overused term. It's a recognition that they are God's creation. They are special. They are somebody who has something to offer to this world. 
their value is not found in whether I find them as a father valuable or whether my their mother finds them valuable or whether they're siblings or their teacher. If self-esteem's wrapped up in what other people think instead of the truth of who they are, then you're going to have problems going down the road. You you really have to call your children to recognize they are children of God first. We are merely signs of that. They are valuable. They are unique and unrepeatable. And they are, so I would personally call into question this idea of self-esteem and particularly it being built on on others. It needs to be built on a relationship with God in and through Jesus Christ and recognizing parents should be calling them to a certain level of perfection, given their talents, given the circumstances in which they find, not comparing them to others, not to comparing them to a sibling, which we've done. I mean, I've, I've done that. I've failed my kids yeah, at not, that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's you know, not, so it's, it's not, not hard to do. <laughs> it's not hard to do. And it's not hard to even verbalize, yeah. verbalize that. But we have also gone back and said, that's really not fair. It's not, you're not that other person. Uh, you have your own unique gifts and talents, and God has a plan for you. That's how, you know, if we're going to use self-esteem. Well, I think self-esteem know. just, um, it, it, it just makes you think earthly. <laughs> right. You know, what, you know what, what makes you feel good? What makes you happy? What, you know, it's just all of that kind of convoluted thinking where, you know, juxtaposed to that as Catholic Christians, we're, we, we want our children to be self-gift. We want them um, to, you know, to, to serve. We want them, uh, again, like Trey said, to, to know that their worth is not found in the job that you do or the, you know, um, the grades that you make or, um, or you know, the your popularity level in school. I mean, all of those things, y- your worth is found in the fact that you, you are a child of God, an undeserving, sinful child of God that is loved beyond measure um, and who has something, even in, with their sinfulness, even with right. their even, with yeah. their faults, um, God's given them gifts and talents, and they have something to do that only they can do. That's and that their their value. In fact, <laughs> there there are plenty of saints out there who had lots of people who didn't like what they did, who challenged them across. We need to stand in who we are in Christ Jesus, and who we are as revealed by. God himself. And that's how we have to raise our kids. It's not self-esteem as what somebody else thinks of me. It's self-esteem as I'm a child of God. I have gifts and talents. I am sinful, but God loves me even though I'm sinful. And I have something to do, something big, something beautiful, something that this world needs today. Why? Because I exist and God has put me in existence. So regardless of what anybody else thinks, that's how I think we need to, as Catholic Christians, as Christians, raise our children. Um, so, well, and I loved the reminder of this, especially the catching your children doing good. That's number and two it, is catching yeah, your kids and being good. Is acknowledge- and is and acknowledging that, saying, you know, um, I mean, how many times when you know two children are playing together and they start fighting, you jump in to say no and use your nice words and you know, how could you have asked for that more nicely or, you know, where, um, you know, catching them doing something good, like when, when they're playing nicely, you want to go, I mean, I know I did. I was like, oh, let me go throw in a load of cla- lo- lo- load of laundry and <laughs> what can I get done while they're playing nicely? You know, instead of um, being purposeful and acknowledging, I, I really like the way y'all are sharing and using your words. And, and the fact that when you, when you can do that, you know, give that positive reinforcement, you'll be surprised at how you start growing that behavior, you know, um, in a positive way. And help make, help them make the connection. Again, we're trying to get the act. I mean, you can just praise a child and, and particularly ones, because I mean, every, every kid's different. Some respond better than others, but there are some that feed off of just the praise that they get. You need to help make the connection beyond just what they're doing with something greater. So what I'm saying is is if if they show if they if they handle each other um well in a, in playing I do you recognize that you're that you are child that are children that are playing well that you are 
being a good example to your other brothers and sisters that 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 you're showing what the world is meant to be. This world needs more people who are willing to work together, particularly if they handle a problem together. You need to point those things out. Wow, I love the way that you did that. When you get bigger, that's a gift that you can use to help this world because right now they're adults. They're people who don't know how to get along and don't know how to work through their problems. So we're going to do that. So start, you know, make connections, I guess, help them think beyond just the praise. Because why? Because external things do work. You know, Pavlov's dog, you can do that. But what happens when you're not there? What happens when you're not there to give them that? And the only way you're going to, the only way that that's going to happen is when you've helped them begin to make connections and begin to own that and recognize how that could impact others. That's intentional parent. It's not just catching them doing good, not just praising them, but it's going the extra step to help them make the connection over and over and over again to where they begin to own that gift. They begin to own that it becomes them, right? We don't want them doing things because they're getting a kind word said to them as the primary and sole motivation because that will go away. We want them to make the connection. So help them make those connections. Don't just leave it at catching them doing good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Number three. Boy, this is one that Stephanie and I, have, <laughs> we struggle. So I don't know anybody out there as a, as a set limits and be consistent with your discipline. I mean, it's no two problem things. setting the limits. <laughs> right. It's yeah. that be consistent part that. <laughs> right. And, 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 and strips you up. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, discipline, you know, it says discipline is necessary and every, the goal of discipline is to help kids choose acceptable behaviors and to learn self-control. What does that mean? It, <laughs> Step it alone. It's to help them be able to enter into society as people who can have an impact that know how to handle themselves in circumstances. And how do we do that? You know, we've done whole shows because I think it's one of the most important things we can remember is we must set limits. No question. Two things you have, at least two things I know you have to do. Number one, you have to be willing when it's appropriate to expand those limits over time. We have to parent in a funnel. As they grow older and show responsibility, we need to be looking for opportunities to expand those limits. So they can play in their room one day, then maybe they can play in the house when they show that they can not throw things and put things up. And then as they grow older, then maybe they can drive around town. But it's always a moving, trying to move forward with them and engage in that. Also, um, I lost my train of thought. The second thing on setting limits the expansion of them. Um, oh, explaining why. Oh, the moral reason why. The, the moral reason why is mm-hmm. so, so important um, that they don't see the limits as like just artificially imposed. They're, they are there for a reason. <laughs> I mean, it could be as simple as saying, you know what, the reason you can't play in the street is a car, car could come by and you'll get squashed like a buck. <laughs> I mean, it could be as simple as that. And we love you too much to allow that to happen. But anytime there is a limit, we don't let you watch that movie because of what? And like we've talked about before, teach your kids as they grow older to go to websites that we value and read about movies so that they can begin to protect themselves. So now at 15, I've got kids, when they call, I say, well, what have you read about it? What have you heard about it? Who has said something? Why is that? Because I want them to be doing that, not because I've told them, not because... I want them to be doing it when they're 19 and 20 and they can go to any movie they want. We have to make them people who, who not only have acceptable behaviors, but they learn that it's important to control that. So limits need to be expanded. Limits need to be explained. Yeah. And this, I probably would kind of um, put in this, you know, under, under this uh, effective parenting uh, that, you know, we have to, the, the, it's so important to do, to, you know, to, to let them know um, that moral reason why. Because we are never, ever going to be able to put them in every single scenario, um, right. you know, that, that they're ever going to, you know, experience. 
And so... And we're not going to be around to tell them. Right. And so kind of getting them to start attaching it into different spiritual or va- moral, you know, moral buckets, so to speak, is, um, th- you know, then they're able to <laughs> to tack those on at different times in different scenarios, even if it's not quite the same. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this goes in this moral bucket, you know, or this goes in this moral bucket. And and um, and like Trace said, you're moving them towards um, making those decisions themselves. I think another thing, um, you know, which is kind of, you know, this is totally a personal little Stephanie Cashin nuance, but, um, you know, it always, it never set right with me raising kids when, when I used to hear, oh, you got to pick your battles. Oh, you got to pick your battles. In other words, you know, this is really minor and, 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 and granted there may be scenarios that it is, but I, I don't know. I just always thought that it's all the little battles that won the big war. And so when you're purposeful, and, and granted, you, you mean, you can't be on 24-7, but, um, but I think that's where you and your husband prayerfully um, discerning a child's certain behavior or, I mean, you know, because I, I can remember, and I, again, this may seem silly to some of you, but for us, um, we, we saw it very effectively with one of our oldest kids is, I mean, when he got to the point where he was throwing a fit because I gave him the blue cup instead of the red cup, I, you know, I pulled back and said, you know what? You don't get to make that choice at all now. Because you're not showing, you're, you're not, not showing, showing appropriate behavior. Yeah. For... You're not showing, uh, uh, you know, responsibility and, 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 um, appropriate behavior right there. And so, um, you know, so you, you watch because when, and again, th- I mean, this is just something we discerned with a couple of our kids is that you watched all day as they, you know, threw a fit and got the cu- color cup they wanted and they didn't want to wear those shorts they wanted to wear, you know, th- those pants. And I mean, they became wise in their own eyes because essentially they they were making decisions. Now, could they verbalize that? No. But as a parent, you're watching that behavior. And again, it you know, it it was usually hindsight for us, you know, we'd be like, Oh my gosh, what happened here? You know, and Trey and I talking through it. I mean, we were always better together than, you know, than apart. Um, and, and, and going again, that funnel is never just a straight shot, you know, well, up and, and you're out. Not just expanding here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's 20 steps forward and 30 steps back, you know, I mean, so you're, you're kind of going back and forth in that funnel, given how the kid responds, how the child responds to um to to new to new freedoms and new responsibilities. Yeah, parenting again is is a marathon. It's not a it's not a thing. And and because <laughs> it is, it's steps at a time. I look and see and think that it's those it's those situations that come up from when they're little, the throwing a fit with with that or the uh, with the picking of cups or the clothes that they want to wear all the way up. If you use those as like pennies you're putting into a into a jar of saving. I mean, Grayson the other day pulled out a cup that he'd been just throwing change in maybe for a year. And and he said, can you take this into the change machine and give me the cash? And he was just throwing in. He said, he said, how much do you think there's in there? And I said, I don't know, maybe $18. And he was like, you think it's that much? And I said, yeah, I think at least that it was $44, (laughs) but it was a little bit by little bit that it was accumulated. It was those little times when, when we don't take the moment to try to do that and, and pick those small battles. That's those small battles that allow you to have an effective pairing when, when it's a big battle. If you let the small battles go and they think that they're smart enough to make decisions that they don't have to listen to you and have no value in listening to you. Why, if they're not doing it in the small things, what makes you think when they decide to, drop out of school or to date somebody you don't want them to date or to do something that, that they're going to listen to you at that point. Two things that you have to do on that and we'll, we'll move on. One is you've got to um, help them understand that you're setting them for their good, right? That it's, that it's, that it is for them. And you have to reiterate that over and over and over again. And two, you got to coach them a little bit. So when, when, when they're fighting over the cup, you say, listen, we're, we're not going to allow you to choose, but here's what you need to do in the future. If you ask, may I please have the blue cup, and you humbly accept 
a no from us, the likelihood of you receiving a yes at some point is greater. And coach them through that. Don't just take it from them and have it be a battle of the wills. You coach them. Hey, the next time this happens, this is what I'd like you to try. Now, guess what? When they're throwing a fit, that's not the time to do it. <laughs> the, you don't choose your battles, fight every battle, but you sure as heck choose the time that you confront them in the battle. Um, if they're throwing a fit, that's not the time to like, oh, now let's get, you know, get to the heart of this. <laughs> I mean, wait until time has passed. So anyway, that's the, well, I just knocked it off. Um, but be consistent. Yeah, right, I well, think that's the hardest part is, you know, um, and remember with the limits, because I, I think I was um, a little bit more of a, um, aired a little bit more on the disciplinarian side. Um, you know, I think a good thing to remind us here too is that we're going after their hearts. I mean, we're not going after um, the because I said so or the fear factor, you know. Or just the outward, the yeah, outward, the outward behavior by itself. Yeah, you need going. to evaluate why. Why is the outward behavior working? Yeah. I mean, why is it, if they're doing it just because they don't want to get in trouble or they don't like what you say, not because they are beginning to understand hey, this is a good choice or a good way to look at things, then you're not going to have an impact on them when they get old enough to begin to make those decisions. And I think this is a great segue into number four, which is make time for your kids. I mean, parenting does take time. And, you know, all of this setting limits and and explaining, you know, the moral reason why and, um, you know, being down on their level and, and, and praising them, I mean, all of that is purposeful and time consuming and it's, it's, it's intentional, you know? Um, it, it does take time. It does. And that's again, the, the marathon and not the sprint, you know, is that all right, of this those, is done over time. And those little bits of time and those little bits of time add up. That's why if you pick a smaller battle <laughs> and, and work on that one, you have a better chance of building what needs to happen to get to the bigger battles. Right. What I make time for your kids, they need to know that you care <laughs> and spending time with them, remind them. I had this, I've had this discussion with almost every child that we have, and it just happened recently where I was going and they're like, Why are you doing this at midnight? You're, why don't you just go to bed and let us do what we want to do? And I was like, Exactly. And they're like, What do you mean exactly? I'm saying, Why am I doing this? I mean, it would be better for me, more comfortable for me to go to bed and let you do, watch, do whatever you want. Ask yourself why. <laughs> and what you've got to help them make the connection is over and over again, it's because I care about you. Not because I care about the behavior or you obeying me. I, I do, but because I care about you. And Again, that is something that you do when they're little all the way up in different ways. You may not explain it as much, but it's about you, not about, hey, you better listen to me because I'm your dad or I'm your mother. All right. That will happen to the extent that they begin to see that you care about them and will invest time in them more than anything else. And I mean, remember, making time for your kids is not just about those, you know, special purposeful, you know, dates or outings, you know, like to right. get ice cream or go out to dinner or, you know, um, I mean, it's about, it's about being, I think, emotionally available and watching, you know, um, I mean, I could probably say with about 99.9% .9 certainty that a lot of our most amazing talks and you know discussions have happened because you know we asked one simple question and then you were kind of like oh something's going on with that person and instead of walking away because I had too much to do you asked another question another question and all of a sudden you're in this deep you know you're right. in this deep real discussion so you know although you know daddy dates mommy dates I mean we did all those things those are those are fun and 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 good to plan but just be aware that driving to soccer can have right, you know you've got them in the car buckled in may just be just a good just as good of a uh, or better conversation because you were 
you were available, you were, you know, present. You were present. present. I I like that word. And I think, I think we all need to learn that the, the value of being present in the moment, don't be thinking about what they're getting in the way of when you have the opportunity, when there's something, don't just say yes to get them out of your hair. Don't just walk away because I don't have time. Take the time. So making time for them could be a three minute yeah, they usually don't so, want much. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes, hey, if you're going to do a long one, do what I do, which is, look, I'm going to set the timer. When it goes off, I'm done. We're done. Okay, <laughs> ten minutes. Can you do ten minutes? I mean, it's one third of one of the shows you watch. All right. Um, anyway, I think that's I think that's um, good. So do make time for your kids and recognize those instances that are given to you just in day to day ordinary moments. Those mm-hmm. little small times, not. I think we've talked about when the, you know, when the window is raised just a little bit or the crack in the door is, is made, you, you want to stick your, you want to stick your foot in and be. Right. When (laughs) they make a comment that doesn't make sense or that's that, that like, that doesn't sound right. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. (laughs) Stay right where you are and say, Hey, where did that come from? You know, why'd that happen? That's making time. Um, Be a good role model is five. I think it goes with that. I mean, I, I do think this, more is caught than taught. <laughs> it's true. And one of the things that they need to catch is not that you're perfect. Okay. One of the things they really need to catch is that you're far from perfect and that you're willing to admit you're far from perfect and that you handle that by asking forgiveness. Yes. Parents asking forgiveness of your children. That, that in and of itself can diffuse so many things. So there are times when, I know personally, but when they've done something wrong and I've lost my temper and it went beyond what it should have and I mishandled the circumstance and I could stand back as a parent and say, well, I was justified. I maybe went farther. If they had just not done it, then I would never have gotten there. Sometimes I've found that if I go back and say, look, what you did was wrong and I'm having to do it, but I've, I want to tell you, I mishandled this situation. And for that, I'd like to ask you for forgiveness. You know, that, you'd be amazed at how that will often catch them off guard um, on that. And then as it goes and as it diffuses, point out to them, you know, that what do you think maybe caused the situation that you could have done better? I could have handled this better. What about you? You know? And let them let them speak. You might be amazed at that. Prior to all of that, pray, pray, pray to the Holy Spirit for your own words and for their conversion and openness to it. I mean, I you got to engage the Holy Spirit in in those moments. I mean, how else model? I mean, yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. Go to church, pray, um, listen. Just to if you're being purposeful in your parenting, you're gonna be a good example. If you're being intentional in how you talk to them, and you're and and being concerned about them knowing that you're you're being a good example, right? All right, and, and just really here, it's not about perfection; it's about how you handled something and how you mishandled stuff. I mean, right? Because we all are going to have that. I mean, again, none of us are perfect, so right. teaching them how that. to handle things when it's been mishandled is just as important as to teach you know as teaching them how to handle it right to begin with. So. Right. And, and then, and then I, we've talked about this already, but I think that anytime that you're, that you're in something like that is the, the, the ability as a role model to even show them, this is probably how would have been better to handle it. You know, this is, I should have said this, or I should have done that to show them I'm rethinking how I handled it so that hopefully I can avoid it. That models something to them, that when they mishandle something, they don't need to just say they're sorry and ask for forgiveness. They need to go back and say, let's rewind and figure out what what did I mishandle? How could I have done that better? Where did it get off the tracks? And what part of it getting off the tracks was mine? And again, sometimes this is, this is, um, this is something that's maybe tabled until it's a time of non-conflict. And then Absolutely. you can bring it up again and, you know, include them, which kind of leads into number six about making communication a priority is you include them in that discussion. Cause I can remember when the kids were little, 
we, um, you know, we're having trouble with people behaving and doing what they were supposed to be doing appropriately in mass. And, you know, obviously, um, walking out was always an option, but you know, and, and we did have to do that. But, um, but then I remember us kind of hearing about this concept and we sat down, got a really fun, looked like an old scroll piece of paper. And we sat down with the kids and we had them make what they thought should be the rules, the cash and 10 commandments for church. Um, and I mean, of course it, you know, it was a little guy, you know, you had to guide a little bit, but and they were young, like I want to say. I like Trevor's five, probably, yeah, maybe six, seven. Yeah. He might have been seven. He might have been seven, yeah, because I think he wrote it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but it was very young, and the kids and they and, took that piece of paper to church every Sunday, and it was amazing. It was something that they owned. You know, right. it was they had been a part of it. They had been a piece of it. They, you know, had that buy-in, if you want to use business term. You know, when you was a win-win for again we're trying to make connections between outward behavior and inside we would have talked about why is it important that we handle ourselves in that way what are we what are we doing you know and know that we're going to fail you know guess what <laughs> the 10 commandments are there <laughs> um it's going to point out the ways that we fail but we also need to understand that we are constantly teaching them and the more that you can get them engaged even at a young age in that you know what we found out what we found was they were probably a little bit harder on themselves than than we had so sometimes and this is good to show them we were like okay that's maybe a little bit more than we how about we do this and temp and taper it back you know like if you do this grind it for eight months you know (laughs) i mean they might say something like that. It's like, okay, that's not. We, we're going to church because we love Jesus, and and re. It's just an opportunity to do that, and it happens in in the scope of communication. Right, and, and then it's, it's helping to make your expectations clear, and it works. I mean, you know, works for church, works for going to the grocery store, it works for. And I'm not saying that you know the first time you you know are going to the grocery store in the car and you're talking to the kids about your expectations and how are we going to behave and you know, let's kind of preemptively, you know, strike it, you know, the behaviors that they struggle with in, in the grocery store. That doesn't mean that magically once you put them in the cart, they're going to remember that conversation. Again, remember, it's an ongoing conversation and your consistency and not giving in to the fit, you know, the fit throwing I want candy at the checkout line every time. I mean, it, it's it's the, it's that time, you know, over and over and over again. Remember, we're in training with these kids. I mean, a, 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 a person doesn't go out on a you know soccer field or football field and execute perfectly the first time. It's training and, and um, you know, in practice and communication from the coach and, you know. Um, and so that's what we're doing all the time um, when there are opportunities and, and, and explaining. Uh, seven is be flexible, which is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> And willing to adjust your parenting style. I understand what they're saying with the adjust. I'm not saying adjust your parenting style, but I think it's it's important that uh, we I remember. I, I think a better word would be here is expect, parenting expectations. Right. I, yeah. I mean, you know, because they kind of use the example of, you know, like my kids should be potty trained by the time they're two or whatever, you know. Um I mean, you know. Sometimes our expectations are unrealistic. Sometimes what worked for one child is not. Again, getting back to the unique and unrepeatable, sometimes the what really has to happen is, hey, with that person, like so uh, with one of our children, I remember they didn't read as quickly as others, and we said, let's just table that, you know. And now she's probably the most voracious reader of all of our kids yes. in terms of, in Crazy. terms of that. But I mean, it was like, we waited like a year and a half mm, yeah. and people were like, she doesn't read yet. And no, we're waiting for it to click and it clicked. Um, and so sometimes again, expectations need to be, are, are my expectations really necessary? Are my expectations something that I've just pre designed in my own head? Um, I think the other the other thing is it says, you know, teens tend to talk less to their parents about things than to their peers and to turn to their peers more than to their parents as role models. That's a fact. But as we've always told our kids and we'll tell you, you always want to be on the list of people that they look to for advice. 
All right. There's no way to help them other than maybe helping them make good decisions about friends, but they are going to have friends that maybe don't think the way you think you want them to do that. So all of parenting is look when they grow up, listen, when you have a question, I want you to know you can always come to me, you know, and you want to just be on the list. If there's five people you want, you know, but I think it goes back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about before is that when you're, when you're truly present and when you're truly watching for those cues with your teens, um, you know, I mean, middle school teens, I mean, any, any age, really, when you're watching for those cues, you as a parent know, trust your, trust your parental gut. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Um, and, you know, um, I know we always, we just, we just pray for that, that the Holy Spirit, you know, not only that our kids would get caught, but <laughs> that the Holy Spirit would prompt us in the needs of our children and that, um, and, and follow that. I mean, you know, if yeah. you, if you're, if you're wrong and, and it, 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 you know, there's a dead end conversation. Well, that is there, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, you don't want to miss that one where it's going to be this floodgate, you know, of, um, right. where they've opened that door and you're, you're able to walk into their heart and really, I mean, you I can, know, really, I can tell you from where we are and it's been a long time since we've been doing it, that, that, that we still have trouble with our teenage children, but it is way more enjoyable than anybody ever told us it would be, I think. I mean, beyond that, and I believe it's because we've always said, look, our job is to get you out. Our job is to not be the one that's making you do things right and then give you the chance to to do it in freedom later. <laughs> We're trying to move you towards freedom. So set your alarm. Handle this. How do you think you ought to handle that? Don't make decisions for them. We've had several of our kids. You know, we now to the point where we've had yeah. several of our kids come back and go, "Why did you let me do that?" Yeah, I mean, you know that, and I think it's a good thing. <laughs> and I mean, they've come back to us. It's happened twice in the last probably two years where a child's come back and said, "You should have said no. You should have not allowed me to do that." And both cases, I was more than convinced that we had made the right decision. I said, listen, here's the deal. We did tell you that we thought it was a mistake. And we explained to you why it was a mistake. But you're old enough to make that decision. And unfortunately, what we were telling you was a problem actually occurred. So maybe next time you'll listen to us. But your job is now to start taking care of yourself at 15 on certain things. And, and let me just clarify that, that, that certainly it was nothing that was harmful. No, no, them. no. Absolutely. It, it was, it was simple little things like, um, it, uh, Matt with Madison, it was a movie. She wanted to go see, she was, you know, of age and had money and had Arizona. her own money. Cause we said we were not gonna, um, you know, we were not support. We don't support R rated movies and, but she was old enough to make that decision. We read the reviews with her. It, she just didn't feel like it looked that bad. And, and we you, said you could tell she wanted us to say no. And we said, if you've got your money, I mean, we wouldn't do it and we don't recommend it, but you're old enough to make that decision. You know, with another one, it was, um, you know, g getting into a, a special little relationship. And so, I mean, it's, it hasn't been like, you know, I mean, there's certain things in our no, no, house that are, you know, again, like drinking. I mean, you're not, you know, this is, this is, this is intentional. Yes, yeah. Going yes. to a sleepover, a bunch of boys with girls with no parents around. That, that's a no. Right. I mean, right, there's still, right. there's, there's still, still no, there's hard still and hard and fast no's. <laughs> but again, look for the opportunities when you can say yes and when you can show them you have to make a decision. This is one that you're old enough to make and do it. That's when you go back to when they're 19 or 20 and say, listen, have we ever purposely steered you wrong? Have, have we ever done something that was just to impose something? Here's what we have to say about this. Please add it to your list of things to think about. And we'd like you to think critically about it. Um, and if you had those opportunities and that's, then that's great. But again, it's purposeful. You're finding, looking for those chances to allow them to make a decision that won't ruin their life, right. but that will maybe allow them to experience the fact that maybe you have some wisdom that they don't have. Um, so flexible in that way. Show your love is unconditional. I don't think you can tell a ch child enough times, I love you no matter what. Is there anything you could ever do that would 
make me not love you. I may not like you. I may not like you. I may be disappointed in you. Right. All right. But never. But never, never ever, stop ever. loving. Yeah. And they, you need to tell them that. I mean, you know, to, I mean, you just need to say there's, there's nothing. And when they do something, particularly if you've prayed to the Holy Spirit and they've been convicted and they have, which happens once in a while, not not that frequently, when they when they really are, you know, gut sobbing, sorry when they recognize that what they've done really hurt the relationship, make sure at that point in time, you know, let's make a distinction between being disappointed or sad and loving somebody. Let's make that distinction because you can be disappointed in somebody you love. You can be sad and you could even be mad at someone you love, but it doesn't change. I'm still here. Define love is not the feeling of fluffy. I love being around you. But as being, I'm here, I, I will always give myself to you for your sake, not, not because of something I get out of it, but for you. And then you're being a sign of God to them, and they need to see that and know the difference because lots of their friends will be plenty conditional mm, right, <laughs> on that. Right. Um, well, and you just, you know, you just always want to keep that door. Again, you know, you always always want to keep that door of communication open. And if they feel like they can, you know, come to you without getting uh, an overreaction, I mean, you just look at it. I mean, I know we've just looked at it. It's, it's an opportunity for us to influence our kids in the way that we think, you know. Um, so even though they may have made a mistake or, you know, done something that was a no in your family, to be able to walk them through that again because you're going after their heart, you know, you're, you're wanting to, to coach them through it. Right. And that's, you know, that's what you're, that's, that's the opportunity you have while they're in, in the home with you, because let me tell you, it's much harder once they get to college. Right. And you've got to, you've got to pitch a bunch of those pennies in over time, a bunch of those just little conversations when they had it, some longer, some shorter, some really major and some very minor, but all of them communicating the same thing. I'm here. I love you. Everything that I do is so that you are protected, that you're better, that you come out on the other end as an adult who knows how to function in a way that brings Jesus to this world and that brings you to this world in a way that um, that God wants you to come to the to it. And the last one is, you know, know your own needs and limitations as a parent. Um, I think you know, parenting itself. Uh, will show you your limitations. <laughs> I mean, as yeah. as that, it's a humbling experience. I mean, you you make you make mistakes. You will make mistakes. Um, we have made plenty of mistakes. The mistake itself is not the problem. It's how you would, how you handle the mistake. Um, how do you grow from it? How do you do it? And if if you're fortunate enough like us to be a, a married couple, we need to challenge each other in a loving manner on. Hey, you didn't handle that one very well or whatever. I mean, but but be open and humble to that and be intentional, but don't be overbearing. You know, don't don't be a helicopter parent or a lawnmower parent. Just be a parent. I mean, let the situations look forward and see the things that you need to watch and 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 be forward thinking and looking out there react to the situations that come your way and see those as opportunities that God has provided and then let the rest happen. Well, and Trusting I think, God. Yeah. I think that if, you know, here would be a good time to note that if you're surrounding yourself with good, you know, other good Catholic families, maybe those a little bit further up the road than you and those a little bit behind, behind um, you know, those are all, always really positive ways um, to be uh, a better parent. I know Trey and I, when the kids were young, we tried to have, um, well, it was couch time with this Growing Kids God's Way series that we uh, that we participated in. For us, what it turned into, we tweaked it a little bit and did a little cash into it, and it was kitchen time. So we were, you know, in the kitchen cooking was the place that we liked to kind of have our time where we were not interrupted by the kids and just to show them be an outward sign that our marriage is first and foremost. You right. know? They're the fruit of a marriage. Right. So go back to that. My, my, my mom used to always say when they would go on getaways, my parents were, why are y'all going to do that? And it's said, because I have to live with this man longer than I have to live with you. And 
And it's one of those things I think it's really important to go back and say, they are, we're purposely parenting, but they are not the center of our lives. First, God is, Jesus is, and then the married couple, and, and that's the case, needs to be the center. We're taking care of what God has entrusted to us. If you do that, you're going to have hard work, but really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that. So, yeah. So, my verse for this week is um, Ephesians 6 4. Um, fathers, and we could certainly say fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So just remember that, you know, I mean, that's just, I think, beautifully said in the Bible is just being purposeful. You know, don't, don't exasperate your kids. That point is something really important. When they look exasperated, you need to back up, you know, (laughs) you need to back up and say, maybe I didn't handle this well. Yeah, uh, or the way it ought to be, and then and then do that. Those are you can always back up. You can even say to your kids, "I made a mistake. I didn't handle this well." Do that and and move forward. I know we're yep. coming we to an end. Wind but. down here. So remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Happy New Year! Thanks for joining in. God bless you. And have a uh, wonderful and tremendous, holy, blessed 2017. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 